November. It's November. And wow. (laughs) What a November it has been. It's hard to believe that we've been in this pandemic for eight months at this point. But, you know, this year has been crazy. There have been so many ups and I think we'd all probably say there felt like there have been a lot more downs this year than ups. But, you know, there's a lot to be grateful for um, this year, despite all of those things. You know, it's I think this year more than others truly is a is a chance to sort of step back and reflect on what things we have in our lives that make us thankful that we are grateful for, um, whether it's our health, our family, our jobs. our connections to people, even though we can't be together physically, you know, the technology that we have that enables us to still see each other and, and share time together. Um, there's a lot to be grateful for. Um, yeah. I it's amazing know. to see everybody kind of step up for each other too. And I think that's kind of the, one of the silver linings that I've pulled out of this year is just watching um, all of our members and all of my um, all of our amazing colleagues at CMA National Headquarters, um, all of our chapters, all of our managing directors, um, our board members, all of our national committee members, and and really all of our volunteers um, step up and and step up for each other. And and that makes me thankful to be part of such an amazing um, community. So Correct. I think community that, really hits the nail on the line. head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think community was, was um, connection and community was a theme for this year for CMAA. And I think that this year is the perfect time to highlight those things because we wouldn't have made it through without each other and, and supporting each other in, in various capacities. So, um, you know, there is there is really a lot to be grateful for. And you know what, Melissa? That gratitude makes a really excellent segue to what we're talking about in this, the lone podcast episode for the month of November. It's very fitting that this podcast episode primarily focuses on that gratitude and, and giving thanks and giving Tuesday. So let's talk a little bit about giving Tuesday. (laughs) Well, giving Tuesday, um, if you're not familiar, is the first Tuesday, or sorry, the first Tuesday after Thanksgiving, which this year puts that because Thanksgiving is late as Tuesday, December 1st. And speaking of Giving Tuesday and speaking of giving, uh, we're excited to interview our newest colleague, um, Ava Spies, the new Director of Development for the Club Foundation. She just joined our team in September and she has really hit the ground running. So we're excited to have the opportunity Kyle, for you to sit down with her and learn more about her to introduce to our amazing members and listeners. Absolutely. And this this conversation with Ava was really fantastic, and I'm so excited to share it with you all. I am so pleased to have Ava Spies, who's our new Director of Development for the Club Foundation. She joined CMAA recently, and we wanted to give our listeners a chance to get to know her. Um, Ava, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Oh, well, we're happy to have you. It's It's been a weird year, but uh, we're really, really happy to have you join us this fall and to take the Club Foundation, you know, to new heights in, in the future. So let's get started. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you come from, what your background is, anything fun and interesting. 
Well, you know, there certainly are a couple of pieces to that. I think when you, um, when I speak about my work history background, which is certainly relevant for the conversation, that I've worked in the nonprofit arena for about 15 years, uh, mostly in visual arts and performing arts. And before that, I worked in retail management for about a dozen years. Please don't do the math on all of that. Um, in, but in nonprofit work, I've been responsible for fundraising at all levels of the organization. Um, and it is pretty exciting to be able to apply that experience and that skill set to a new environment and a new industry. It makes life very exciting. Um, probably maybe a little more colorful is my own personal history. Um, I have lived in states all over the country, including the Northwest and Texas and the Midwest and here on the East Coast. Um, I love meeting new people and visiting new places and I'm always jazzed by this component of diversity of background and experience of the people that I meet. It makes life interesting. Um, my mother was a sculptor and a musician and a painter and my father served an entire career in the Indian Health Service. Um, and because of that career, I was born in a place that, Kyle, you may be familiar yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. Um, in a small town. A small village in rural Alaska called Bethel, um, a population of about 4,000 people. It was about 4,000 people when I was in second grade, and it's about 4,000 people now. Um, and it was an amazing and unique place to grow up. Um, and it certainly points out, um, you know, the kinds of cultural and regional um, differences of how people are raised all around the country and what they know and what that brings to the table. Um, but I was definitely a tundra baby. <laughs> and, and you are one too. So we are soul sisters. For I sure. love that. I love that. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head 100%. I mean, uh, growing up in Alaska alone, no matter where you grow up in the state, I think gives a, you a unique perspective on life in general. I mean, it's even, I grew up in, in and around Anchorage, right? So like it was more of a city. Uh, I use that term very loosely, but, <laughs> but you, you grow up with such a close connection to the land. And mm -hmm. I think um, an, a deeper understanding of things like subsistence and, and, and that closeness right. to relying on community and being together and what, power right. that has and I think that's even more apparent when you're out in the in the villages especially because community is such an important part of survival um yeah I mean, you said Bethel's a community of 4,000 people so right well and, and for and for the listeners who don't know you know 4,000 people in in um you know in rural Kentucky is different than 4,000 people in rural Alaska Correct. where there really isn't a roadway on which to put your vehicle to get from one town to the next. So one of the cool things about rural Alaska is that the, the rivers and Bethel is on the mm -hmm. Kuskokwim River um, become a super highway in, in all seasons because people can put their cars on the river um, in the winter and they certainly can get on boats. And, and so it's just a different way of living. Mm -hmm. And I do feel strongly, you know, that um, you know, being raised in a small town, being raised by an artist, living all around the country, each one of those things contribute to who I am. And we all have separate stories about the things that contribute to who you are as a human being. Um, but ultimately, my sensibilities, like you say, often having to do with the Alaskan culture um, and the Alaskan community, 
um, that those things have contributed to my sensibilities about the importance of interacting with all kinds of human yep. beings, valuing every single one of them, and knowing that everyone has the potential to find success and beat the odds. Um, and we each bring that uniqueness to our workplace, and it's one of the cool things about learning a new environment and learning a new workplace. Absolutely. So, well, I was, I was so also going to give you a shout out for having lived all over the country, because I similarly have lived... I obviously grew up in Alaska, but then I went to college in Wisconsin and I've lived in Minnesota and I've lived in California, <laughs> been all, right. all over the place. And I think, yeah. Yeah. How does that happen? It's uh, it, I think we are no longer at a place where people um, <laughs> stay in the same town and um, the same job for 30 years. It's just no. not a part of the reality anymore. And certainly many of us are learning that on a whole new level with the current <laughs> Um, shutdown of being able to get to work and um, what role technology is playing. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, now that we're in this pandemic, it's like you can work from anywhere, really. Yep. So yep. But I think that opens up a lot of doors for a lot more people. But yeah, it's it's fascinating. I love that. Um, I'm so excited to connect with you more on our shared <laughs> history. Um, similarly, uh, my, I have a very like musical background. Um, my mom, uh, yes, I did know this. <laughs> I sing, but also I grew up playing, um, the cello and my husband is a musician. He was in the Marine Corps, but he plays drums. And, um, my mom was a music education major and we all grew up with a love of music. And so your, your background with the visual and performing arts is also very fascinating to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> You know, and my background with music is probably um, uh, deeper than than you may know, or maybe deeper than I want to admit. So I have, I do have a bachelor's degree in music education, um, taught for a hot second in the public schools um, before moving on to other things. I married a musician who is <laughs> has a doctorate in um, performance and has taught at college level and um, all of those kinds of crazy things. But my mother was a cellist. Um, my youngest son was a cellist, um, so cello is near and dear to my heart for sure, as is music. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, it's a universal language, isn't it? I mean, really, we can all, again, connect with each other through through that method. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'm so excited that you're here because now I have someone else I can just like emote you have to. <laughs> I do. I truly do. So on that note, you know, I'd love to talk more about what, what kinds of things are you passionate about? Um, and mm -hmm. what hobbies do you have? Yeah, I think, um, you know, ultimately I am pretty passionate about philanthropy. Um, the power of individuals to make a difference through action or through individual contributions. If you're not the one that wants to take the direct action, um, certainly the majority of nonprofits are dedicated to helping people reach their potential. The club foundation is no different, mm -hmm. um, whether it be help for the most basic needs of food and shelter or things like education, professional development, which speaks to CMA and the club foundation. Last year, Americans gave a total of um, about $450 billion to charitable organizations. And if you think about that, that's nearly half a trillion dollars. Crazy. Um, of those, the vast majority, about 300, 310 billion were from individual donations. So that's, um, that, you know, individual donations doesn't include the foundation giving, it doesn't include the corporate giving. So philanthropy is a pretty powerful voice. Um, certainly in my um, short tenure here so far, I've been very impressed with 
this remarkable character and dedication of those in the field that I have met, and certainly those who are on staff at CMAA as well. It's clear that there's a, a very strong sense of work family, um, dedication to uh, of of all of the professionals in the industry to take care of one of each other or take care of each other, which is um, a, an amazing asset. Uh, remarkable stories about individuals who started on the front lines, have become emerging professionals in their field, and then worked their way up to management positions. All of that being made possible by the support of those who came before them and who mm -hmm. were their supervisors at the time. So it speaks to that core of the foundation's work um, supporting club industry. Um, and I do get very passionate about that. And I think, um, you know, working 15 years in nonprofit, um, it's, it, there are so many amazing stories and the Club Foundation is just another one. Um, hobbies, I guess, is a little bit more of a, a personal question. Yes. Um, my most, really my most favorite activity outside of work is painting. So if nothing else, I'm certainly a product of my mother's rearing as an artist <laughs> and she was a, a teacher as well. Um, that's the bulk of her life was always involved in teaching. Um, and as a child, I was always surrounded by the arts, so it wasn't something I had to learn to love. It was just a part of, of the way the world was. Mm -hmm. um, most importantly, it's about seeing the art in the world around us that goes beyond traditional arts like music and painting, um, but can go into culinary or marketing or the poetry of conversation. Um, you know, it's everything is an art, uh, an art slash craft. And um, even if you are uh, an, an accountant stuck in a back office with no windows, there's still an art to creating a spreadsheet and being able to effectively communicate um, that language and helping people to understand. And so expression is is key. And certainly it's the case with, you know, it's the case with many of us and the mothers in our lives that that my mother was a giant to me. If I'm half the person she was, I'll be doing pretty well. I can heartily agree with that. Um, and I think, I think what you said about, you know, there being an art to everything is absolutely true. Um, and I love the example of like, okay, an accountant. I am not a numbers person. I am, I love words and obviously I have a musical background, but like, so that's how I connect to, to my art and words are much easier for me to see the beauty in and to create something wonderful with. Whereas like, I look at numbers and it makes me cringe. Yeah. And <laughs> but, it's okay. And that's okay. But I know people who can put together, and this is going to sound so dorky, but like put together a spreadsheet that is beautiful, that like yeah. the way they organize data can be beautiful and like it can flow in such a way that it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That works. That makes a lot of sense and is yeah. wonderful. <laughs> but I love that <laughs> idea. And there is really a big, um, you know, puzzle making piece to numbers and looking at spreadsheets and, um, and you know, I have a, a fondness for that as well. Um, I, you know, I say quietly um, in front of all of the artists that I know, but that's, you know, that's part of what helps you to do your job if you can figure out how to, to manage those things and the people who can make it clear to you, they really are artists in a lot of ways. I think, you know, the other piece of the puzzle is being raised by an artist is what you see and what you choose to see in the world around you. Um, you cannot put a you know, pencil to paper and, and draw an image without being able to look at it and translate what you see. 
Yep. So whether you're translating that verbally or whether you're translating that in numbers or whether you're translating that with a brush on a canvas, um, how we choose to look at walking down the sidewalk and the way the building looks or the way the, you know, the sidewalk looks or the way the cars are flowing or the way the traffic lights are, are you know, screaming, it's all, it's all about interpretation. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think absolutely. I think it also speaks a lot to how no matter what, we are always influenced by the context in which we exist in, right? Like anything that's happening around us is influencing us and then consequently influencing how we interpret the world around us and then how we push it back out. Um, I was an and, English and, major. I was just going to yeah, say, no. <laughs> I was an English and major. I'm thinking, about, I'm thinking about the background in music that you have mm -hmm. and yep. saying, you know, there's a, there's a, an aural um, digestion of the world around us that is um, has a huge influence, and mm -hmm. and I think half the time we that's when we don't even realize, but maybe the arts in general and the way it influences us, we don't fully realize that uh -huh. what colors you see, what temperatures you feel, what sounds you hear, um, those things. Um, well, we all know how you can feel agitated um, because there's a child screaming in the yeah, next right. room, or you know, it's um, it's just. We, we are affected by all of those things. Mm -hmm. um, and at any rate, that's, I suppose that's off the subject of the club foundation. That's okay. This is important stuff. I think this yeah. is, this is a level of humanity that we often don't get to get into with our guests here. And I think it's super fascinating. Um, and I could, I could again, wax poetic on all of this stuff. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll carry on this conversation offline. Yeah, we'll see that for another time. Someday after work. We'll yes, please. <laughs> Pretty please, let's do it. Um, okay, well, back we'll, we'll steer this ship back into the work lane. Um, <laughs> you've only been with us for a short time, and I know a lot of that time has been spent getting your arms wrapped around like everything that's going on with CMA and with the Club Foundation. But um, we're we're kind of looking down the barrel at the end of the year here, and we've got a lot of stuff on our plate. But what is the coolest thing you are working mm -hmm. on right now? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's it sounds a little bit hokey, but certainly the coolest thing is tackling the learning curve. I, I get um, excited about um, generating that kind of need for your brain to grow and yes. to learn and to research. And, and it's um, I think that, you know, that is by very definition curiosity mm -hmm. and curiosity is ultimately what keeps us alive um, and keeps us going. Um, and so, you know, learning all things about the Club Foundation and about CMAA, um, there are, you know, multiple moving parts, there are people to meet, there are systems to learn, um, but it is very clear that the foundation of the organization is serving this critical role within the club industry, um, providing support to those who wish to further their development um, is obviously the, the underpinning of it all. Um, and many people have benefited. Um, I did just hear a story earlier today. Um, I was talking to a GM in the field um, about an assistant manager that he watched um, grow up through the system and you utilize the scholarship program, utilize the education that CMAA provides. And she received strong encouragement from, from her manager and um, was able to really embrace all that the foundation could offer. Um, so it's, it's um, you know, the funds that we raise or that the foundation raises to be able to support that pipeline of professionals is 
is where it gets cool. We do have a couple of smaller projects underway that you that I consider exciting. Um, so new tools, what we call um, in fundraising is collateral, whether it's print pieces or video pieces that'll help us to share the story. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't always have to listen to me on the elevator that we can have other ways of communicating that information and, and communicating it directly from scholarship recipients. Mm -hmm. We are currently working on, the Club Foundation is currently working on its own strategic plan that is relatively new and honing that and helping us to guide the future growth of the foundation. Um, and as I learn more about the processes of, of collecting um, scholarship and grant applications, we're talking about and exploring ways to make that application process easier. Um, for the people who apply. So that's, that's, uh, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot. It's a lot that's of a lot. stuff. <laughs> well, one thing that we have coming up soon, hmm. but we'll probably be here, well, you're going to be hearing about it, all, you've heard about it already in some of our publications, but um, it's Giving Tuesday. Giving Tuesday is right around the corner. It's also, it's hard to believe, number one, that like November is here. And right. The end of the year is here and we've been in this weird time warp where like everything's there was no summer. summer yeah no, no summer. summer it's it's like this year has been an episode of whose line is it anyways everything's made mm -hmm. up the points don't matter time isn't real and somehow Excellent. now we're like in the holiday season but along with holiday gift giving this tradition of then philanthropy Philanthropic giving has has um, become very very popular over the last few years, and the Giving Tuesday hashtag. Um, I don't even was it 2013? I think is when it got really kicked off, something like that. And and uh, yeah, it was actually um, actually first appeared on the scene in 2011. 2011. Okay, right. It, yeah, gained a lot of traction across the country, and mm -hmm. it is certainly the official day, not that we shouldn't be giving no. to charitable organizations every day, um, but it's the official day that we encourage Americans to give. Mm -hmm. um, and it is um, big enough that last year it brought in about $2 billion for the charities in America that participated. So $2 billion out of that $450 billion that's raised every year, it's a, it's a big dollar amount. Absolutely. And it's fun. It um, is fun. The you know the origin is tied to Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. so we have Thanksgiving, which is right around the corner, and it's a we celebrate being grateful and we get together with family and, um, and celebrate all that's good, and of course remembering to count our own blessings. And Thanksgiving, as most of us know, is followed by Black Friday, which yep. is a nationwide spending spree. Um, as a matter of fact. Um, over the two days for Thanksgiving and Black Friday last year, Americans spent a total of $11.6 billion, which is huge. But now this is going to this is going to kill you because then next comes Small Business Saturday, which was mom and pop businesses saying, hey, wait a minute, stop going to the big malls and come spend some money here. And if you're like me and you want the perfect gift for grandpa and it needs to be unique and special, then a mom and pop business is probably the best place to go. Um, and it, but it may surprise you that, that the dollars spent on Small Business Saturday are almost double what they are in Thanksgiving and Black Friday, which was a shock to me when I first learned that it was sort of ahead in the race at $20 billion. That's insane. Um, it is insane. 
so then I guess we had a moment of sanity and said, you know, we won't we won't call Sunday anything. We all need to eat a few leftovers <laughs> and sit around and breathe a little bit. Yeah. So there isn't a special designation for Sunday. Um, so you can sit on Sunday and have your cranberry sauce and um, leftovers, but then you need to jump right back in again on Monday. Mm -hmm. We call it Cyber Monday. <laughs> and last year we spent a total of about nine and a half billion dollars on Cyber Monday, which is dedicated to online holiday shopping. So if you're doing the math, we're in those in that time period, that's about 30 billion dollars. And we countered that by following it with Giving Tuesday. And Giving Tuesday is really about turning the tables um, from yep. all that shopping into charitable giving. Mm -hmm. And compared to the 30 billion that we spent the four days leading up to Giving Tuesday, 2 billion then doesn't sound as big, um, but it has grown remarkably since 2011. So the Club Foundation has participated in Giving Tuesday in the past, and this year we hope to make it um, more fun Yes. Um, we are, it's on December 1st this year. That is a Tuesday in case you weren't paying attention. <laughs> and as we ask everyone in the industry to make a, comp a contribution and everyone, anybody outside the industry who wants to make a contribution, no matter how small, yep. it's um, really about crowdfunding. Um, we will be relying mostly on, as most organizations do on social media to get energized. So there are a couple of ways that you can help first and foremost is to sign up for text notifications which is text um, the the word cf giving c-f-g-i-v-i-n-g to the number 51555 and that puts you on our texting list where we can keep you updated about the event um, we'll be able to include you in on some of the fun and as we raise funds we can give some updates but we can we also plan to give away prizes during the day so secondly, of course, we want you to donate. Um, it isn't about the biggest gift, um, but it's really about a wave of people giving to support the club industry um, to help our scholarship and grant program um, and, and emerging professionals and, and see some seasoned professionals as well. Uh, third, we want you to get on social media. So yes. we're posting on, you can correct me if I'm missing any of these, Kyle, but on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. That's correct, you got it. <laughs> Nope, that's <laughs> so we'll encourage people there to donate and um, the degree to which each of us can repost and retweet, even if you can't give, um, help us to spread the word. Um, to, we want to have some excitement around this. And then the fi fi final thing and fourth thing, um, way that you can participate is um, really not going to apply to everybody, but those who have that little bit of extra energy and maybe that creative artist spirit that we were talking yes. about earlier, please pick up your phone, whether it's an iPhone or something else, um, and we want you to make a little video that answers the question, why is the Club Foundation important or why is it important to you? So anyone who's been fortunate enough to receive a scholarship or a grant or if you know somebody who's benefited from um, the funding that, that we raise at the Club Foundation, we would love for you to make a video. We want you to have fun with it. We want it to be um, short and heartfelt and happy or maybe slightly crazy and certainly creative. Um, and then we'll post it out on those social media feeds um, either leading up to or on the day of Giving Tuesday. And there'll be a link on the Club Foundation website um, for you to upload that. Absolutely. And, and you may win a prize for best video prizes we are yeah, not so above we'll, bribery we'll here 
That's right. We'll divulge what the prizes are as we get closer to yes. the date. They will remain a secret until, again, we will resort to bribery. It's fine. It's fine. Um, I will make sure to include all of that information in the show notes for this. Um, so again, that is texting CF giving to 51555. Um, that way you can not only let us know that you are interested in making a donation, but that way you can stay up to date on what's going on with the club foundation and um, hopefully future donation opportunities uh, down the road. Um, and then as well, the link to upload um, first video submissions. We'll include yeah. that in the show notes, but then we'll also direct you to um, the website where you can find that as well. Um, I'm excited to see what people submit. I know we have some very, very talented uh, folks who have received, flinging my stuff, have received uh, funds from the Club Foundation in the past. So, you know, we love to hear your stories. Um, we love to hear the impact that the Club Foundation has had on your life as a professional, um, but also as a person. Um, so much of what Ava and I have talked about over the past few minutes is that this this importance of connection and community and and looking at the world around us in a different way and that I think is all contained within the club industry and the community that we have within CMAA and our membership is truly special in that way. Um, I always when I worked with the students I always used to talk about how um, every time you're at a conference it's an opportunity to make a connection with somebody who could who could be a mentor to you, which is hugely impactful in many ways. But um, the way that our industry works is such that you make a connection. It can be grabbing lunch or coffee with someone and you chat for 10 minutes, but then that person is, a, is someone that you can come back to. And they may be able to help you find a job in the future. They may be able to give you great advice on what your next career step could be. You don't you don't really fully appreciate the um, mm -hmm. the value of those connections and until later perhaps but uh, you know that that's one thing that's just so so special I think about our association in particular is that really tied together community that we have and the club foundation I think is is a act is a literal foundation to that. Um, to that um, environment that we try to create here. So I really look yeah, forward I, to hearing. I think it goes, yeah, I think it goes back to what we were talking about before and something that is um, maybe more um, commonly understood where you and I grew up is the value of connections and community. And mm -hmm. certainly um, everybody who's listening to this is familiar with the idea of networking and um, rubbing elbows and all of those things. but. I love the way that CMAA takes it beyond that in that it's a it's a personal connection. It's mm -hmm. not just an entry in your black book. Yep. And those people that you know will take you so much further in the world than the, than than the what that you know, even though the what is very important, <laughs> right? You no, know, I mean it's um, you have to you have to have those connections and resources for absolutely. sure. Absolutely. And I think that there's a two-way street there too. It's not just someone finding a mentor and then leaning on them their whole lives. It's, it's, you may find a mentor, but you can be beneficial to them in many ways too. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're always learning and we're always growing. And I think that's another thing that is um, such a strong part of CMAA is that education and professional development, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not just the what, it is the who. Yeah. 
And it is the, how can I learn from experiences and, and from people as much as I can learn from a textbook or a class? So right. all of and that. And all of it requires curiosity. So go out into the world and be curious and the rest of it will come forth. Ah, oh, I love that. You know, and I think that that's the perfect note to end on because I think that that just ties everything up in a nice little bow. So Ava, thank you so much for joining us this this week, I guess, on the podcast. And uh, we look forward to having you on our team and uh, working with you in the future. I appreciate it. I'm very flattered. Uh, thank, thank you. You, you bet. So for our Idea Fair segment this month, we were really excited to sit down with um, Rachel Zilka and Brandon Sears of Park Country Club in Williamsville, New York. Most of you will know that that's near Buffalo. <laughs> For those of you who aren't familiar with the uh, geography of upstate New York, that is near Buffalo. Um, it's it's cold there in the winter, which is the key to what we are going to be talking about today. Um, I hear they have a lot of snow there, Kyle. I've heard. That's what we've we learned in this conversation. Um, Rachel is the food and beverage manager and Brandon is the assistant manager at the club. And um, they chatted with us about a really incredible uh, idea that they've implemented this year called the Isolate Restaurant. Now, we talk, we go into more detail in this in, in the interview, but we're really excited to share this conversation with you. Melissa and I are very excited to have you with us. <laughs> very excited to all reached out. Yeah. All right. So, Rachel and Brandon, thank you so much for joining us. You guys are up in upstate New York where things I'm sure have been, as we were previously talking, they've been a little bit weird and different this year. Um, can you just let us know how you're doing? I know we're in November now and and things just seem to be getting weirder every day. <laughs> yeah, um, like I said, we've been... Um, you know, ever evolving. And, you know, I think it's been so unique to be in this industry at this point, because we've had such resources through CMAA and, and so many counterparts to lean on, which has been awesome. And, um, you know, I think clubs are the one aspect of hospitality that have actually um, been able to utilize this to their advantage. Um, and, you know, our members, and I'm sure members across the country, this is the one spot they feel safe and, and to, to use their discretionary income now here versus, you know, vacations and high-end resorts and, you know, joining multiple clubs even. Um, you know, they've really hunkered down with us here at Park, <laughs> um, which has been great. Um, we've really gotten to, to see some of the membership that, you know, maybe doesn't normally utilize the club. So, um, and it's been, you know, a good challenge for us as an executive team to how do we overcome, you know, New York State was one of the first states really hit by this and to, to be on the forefront of that and, and to, to take advantage of, you know, some of the opportunities, opportunities we had here. Um, and now, of course, with the second wave going through, um, you know, adapt to, um, you know, try not to go all the way back to square one um, after doing so much work and uh you know trying to keep pushing forward fabulous do you want to tell us a little bit about park country club and like what you guys are about up there and just give us a little rundown yeah. <laughs> yeah. um obviously brandon and i both came from um pretty large scale clubs um so both being from buffalo um what two and a half years ago now two almost years. two and a half years ago uh, decided, uh, I think what I, I think John and I made a move first and, uh, Brandon and his, uh, now wife followed uh, a few months later, actually. So, 
Um, we're all happy to be back in Buffalo and, and Park's been a phenomenal club. Um, you know, out of all the clubs up here, uh, I think we can both say we're really happy we <laughs> we chose Park. Um, we have about 550 members here at Park. Um, it is a Arthur Wendahack clubhouse, which for those who were fans of Wingfoot in the uh, US Open this year, it's actually the same architect. So um, it was really cool to see a sister property, <laughs> um, you know, hosting such a great event. Um, and then our golf course is a Colton Allison golf course. Um, we have 18 holes here. Ellicott Creek, which is a major creek in Buffalo, runs through our course, um, which makes it really unique. Um, so not large water features, but we do have a, a great creek that sort of runs and, and unique bridges that, um, you know, go over that uh, throughout the course. We did host the 1927 PGA Championship. Paul Runyon uh, won that championship. So we actually did a um, renovation about eight years ago now. Um, and added on to our a la carte dining space, and that is now called the Runyon Room. Um, so that is a 23-person bar um, and great dining space for the membership. We offer, um, we have a pool here with a pool snack bar, tennis courts, we offer pickleball. Um, so really your, your typical country club um, amenities are all here um, with a great food and beverage program. We do about 25 weddings each year as well. So. Uh, great banquet space, uh, obviously, with a very castle-esque clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I feel like some someday when this pandemic is over, I would love to come visit Park. I've heard such wonderful uh, things about the property. Yeah, we'd love to have you. <laughs> someday. Someday we'll be able to, like, go places and see yeah, people and do things. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should take the podcast on tour and we could, you know, yeah. visit each one of our members um, Agree. And, yeah. and record. I love it. Goals. That's, we can put that on goals. our goals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for sharing that, you guys. Um, we wanted you guys to come on and chat with us today because Melissa and I both saw that you shared a very cool idea on LinkedIn. Um, like a couple weeks ago, I think at this point now, but it was the isolate restaurant, which is a very clever play on words. Yes, isolate <laughs> as in be alone, but ice as in frozen water also. So the puns are many and wonderful. Um, why don't yeah. you talk to us a little bit about what isolate is exactly? And then, you know, who came up with the idea and then how did it come to fruition? Absolutely. So uh, the Isolate uh, restaurant is um, our, our four igloo uh, restaurant that we have on our back patio, the large patio that Rachel was talking about that really helped us service our members uh, during the height of the pandemic and uh, during out with outdoor dining. Um, so we have four igloos that were um, are able to seat up to eight per igloo. Um, they have Bluetooth speakers, so each igloo can connect to their own speaker and play their own music. Uh, which is a, a fun uh, <laughs> thing to hear as uh, you walk on the patio and there's four different uh, songs playing at the same time, but it's a lot of fun and it's still uh, kind of soundproof within there, um, just with the elements. Um, so we've uh, really kind of hit the ground running with that. We've released uh, dates all the way up until New Year's Eve and we are completely sold out, which is um, awesome. And then come the beginning of December, we will release, start to release our January dates. Um, and hopefully fill that out. It really was a, a, you know, a great team effort. Uh, this idea started rolling around last year um, to really kind of get the ball rolling on it. Um, we kind of developed the concept a little bit too far into winter to really successfully market and, and develop a whole restaurant concept. 
Um, so we really just pushed it to this year and uh, it just made even more sense <laughs> to kind of those isolation igloos as you would um, to have uh, dinner out on the patio. Uh, which we're all really, really excited to to see. I swear they're some of the most uh, photographed air things in Buffalo right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. I feel I've seen a few restaurants in DC start to to do something very similar where they'll where they'll do the individual pods for tables and stuff. But I love this concept for continuing the outdoor dining at your facility even as we get into winter and the weather turns colder, you're still able to, you know, make sure that your, your members can eat at the club safely and feel safe. Um, can you talk a little bit about like what your, I know this is such like an operational thing, but like the cl- cleaning procedures for each of your little igloos is? Yeah, so um, we actually are not turning the igloos each night. Um, once you book that igloo, it is yours for the night, which I think was such a huge selling point right off the bat. Um, if you're going to go out and have that unique experience, you know, you don't want to be rushed out at quarter to seven because there's a 715 seating. So um, that was a, a decision we had made early on. Um, also <laughs> helping with the sanitation. So uh, once that table is done for the evening, um, our, our team actually goes in. Um, wipes everything down. We have a, a solution that we use uh, here club-wide that goes in spray bottles, so we use that. Um, you know, the linens are changed out. We have nice shivaris in there, so those are easily um, cleanable. Um, so really, the membership has felt really great about it. The igloos themselves also have the vents in. Um, there's like two windows, essentially, that you can also have open. Um, so last week, for example, the, the inaugural week, we actually had, it was what, 60, 65 here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they are actually a little warm. Um, so actually diners got to, to have those vents open, um, which was great. So, and then the, the servers go in and out of doors throughout the, the, door, the main door to the igloo um, throughout the evening, which obviously adds to that airflow. Um, and everyone that has done it, you know, they're choosing their table. So um, everyone has felt really safe in there. Um, you know, and, and just has had a great time. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, it sounds like a pretty amazing concept. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about, uh, some of the member feedback and even staff feedback? Cause I know that like, you know, you want your members to feel safe, but as well on the other side, you want to make sure your staff is continuing to feel safe and feel like they can come to work and be in an environment where they're not going to be exposed to anything that they don't want to be exposed to. Um, so can you share a little bit about that? Sure. So the member feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, They were all chomping at the bit really to get their first reservations uh, booked as soon as we started to kind of tease the idea and um, open up the reservation blocks that we have. Um, They definitely want more as we continue to see the demand, but obviously we want to make sure that uh, we started with kind of a a smaller sample size of igloos, as you would, um, to make sure that they were uh, properly executed, that we were able to make sure that we had the staff, the, the, the lighting, the heating, the chairs, and just really wanted to make sure that we were able to execute service and this kind of new experience for them um, as best as possible. So that's why we had those four. We would rather have four full igloos than, you know, five full igloos and have three open, um, which is why we kind of kept that sample smaller. Um, so that is kind of an opportunity for us going forward 
to hopefully expand, isolate, and add a few other ideas that we have kind of going around. Yeah, and then from the staff side, um, for us, it was really important. I mean, when you look at how we marketed and branded this restaurant, um, you know, if you've seen pictures of the rest of the clubhouse, it is very uh, traditional, very castle-esque. So for us, the igloos um, were going to be an extension of the great service and the great food and beverage we provide here. But um, the vibe out there was going to be much different than we've ever done at Park. So it's got a very modern vibe. So for us, it was really important that the staff we put out there um, and our team members were really going to be brand ambassadors, and we really treated it as such. So um, we have four key servers that are out there. Um, we started jokingly, I jokingly sometimes call them ice servers. Um, <laughs> and we it. Um, so they, uh, they really have made it theirs, and they understand that this is really such a unique thing. And, you know, we've told them about you know, the attention it's gotten on LinkedIn and, and, and from members at other clubs locally and GMs locally and across the country, really. So um, for us, it, it was really about making sure that they realized what a special project this was and that they got to be a part of it. Um, you know, I think it's always important as a manager, we realize that hospitality isn't all of our team members' final stop. <laughs> um, so for us, it's really important that you know, while they're here, we motivate them to do different things and, and experience different things while they're here. Um, and Isolate really offered that opportunity. So um, we have four amazing servers that sort of own that aspect um, and they rotate shifts throughout the week. But um, already the member feedback has been great with the, the, the team members we've picked um, because they are, you know, giving the tour as soon as they step in the igloo, it's welcome to isolate, um, you know, and, and here's the tour of how the night's going to go. It's a prefix menu. Um, you know, here's our specialty cocktail list. Here's our specialty wines that are exclusive to this restaurant. So um, they've been a huge, huge factor in the success of um, isolate. That's awesome. I love that. Um, Melissa, do you want to take the next two questions? I feel like I've been talking a lot. <laughs> That's okay. I was going to say there's so much good stuff. Um, no, this is this is so rich, and I, 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 you know, I think it's it's so unique to you're not only talking about you know the angle of creating this new thing, but the whole branding and marketing and and teasing and the experience building. I mean, I think that's amazing. So my question is, are there were there any implementation challenges? Now, I, I, you know, I think it was really interesting that this, you know, obviously was, you know given your location and whether this was something that you were looking at pre-COVID, um, you know, this is a, as we mark our time now in life between pre-COVID and post-COVID, this was a pre-COVID idea. So what were there implementation challenges um, to bringing this to fruition? Sure. So um, the week leading up to our opening day, uh, it rained probably five out of seven <laughs> consecutive days leading oh, up no. to and, developing the, and building the, the igloos themselves. Um, so Mark Anderson, who's our facility managers here at the club and his team, um, watched the radar very, very closely and any opportunity where there was a dry hour, him and his team would run out, uh, be able to set up and build what they could. And then as soon as it would start raining, they would come back into the clubhouse and uh, kind of alternate based off of what the, the weather was. So um, trying to get the initial um, build done was a challenge, but um, he, like I said, the team really kind of pushed forward and we were all ready to go on opening day, which was, which was great. Um, some of the other challenges, you know, running electric, each uh, igloo has a chandelier that we have that are, is remote controlled that has 
uh, you know, on the middle of a patio, the electrical outlets aren't the most common. Um, so we, having the electric run to each one for the heater, for the uh, chandelier, uh, to make sure that, you know, the dehumidifier was functioning properly. So each igloo has a decent amount of electric and uh, implementing that and getting that going um, was not an easy feat for sure. So we would not have been able to do it without his team. And um, these igloos, unfortunately, cannot just be put right on the ground, especially in Buffalo as um, <laughs> the weather warms up and cold very quickly. Um, mm -hmm. So they built subfloors under each igloo, which is a, a two by four high. Um, that's almost a step up. So that way, when the snow melts and it rains here, um, that the igloo isn't sitting in a puddle of water. <laughs> uh, where the igloo becomes a boat. <laughs> uh, the new concept. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 yes. Um, so the team, you know, put these 400-pound subfloors together. They rolled out linoleum uh, hardwood floors. Um, they just did an incredible job. So all of those things were really, you know, leading up to the implementation and opening of the restaurant. Um, it was a, a bumpy week. We were all watching the radar very closely and. <laughs> Thing you know, the sun opened up on those last two days, and um, they pushed through so fast. So again, we could not have done it without him, Mark and his team here at the club. And really, of engineering. The <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you talk, and I feel like so many club managers, right? We're all so innovative, but it's you know having such a great maintenance crew that was like, yeah, but did you think of this? Did you think of this? <laughs> and mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and so to, to be able to watch that, you talk about a team mentality and just everyone in one room starting to bounce ideas off of each other and, and not just the ideas and, and not playing devil's advocate, but also saying, okay, realistically, these are logistical, you know, problems, but here are some solutions. And that's what makes the team here at Park so great. I mean, it, it was all solution, you know, based discussion, which was awesome. That is awesome, and you know we know the value of teamwork, and, and it's amazing when everybody can offer their expertise to to make a project come to fruition. So, have there been any unexpected outcomes um, from this? You know, you, I know you mentioned that you're booked through this the end of this year, and and already have people um, who can't wait to book for the new year. So, what are the unexpected outcomes that have come from the project? Sure. So also when we reopened, we had um, released our the Pace Setter app that we have uh, here at the club, uh, which has really become um, a huge lifeline to a lot of our members making reservations. Uh, we were able to um, upload all of our reservation systems for Isolate through the app. So members, instead of having to call the club uh, to make their reservation, um, we they're able to reserve their igloo um, right through the, the Paysetter app, which has been uh, incredible when it reduces the amount of phone calls that are coming into the club and he gets still able to kind of have that interaction with the members. Um, so that the app also maintains our wait list. So with only having one reservation per igloo per night, um, it automatically stores the wait list. So as soon as there's a cancellation from one of the igloos, um, the wait list, the first person on that wait list is automatically moved up and they receive a notification saying uh, your reservation for Isolate has been accepted. You are no longer on the wait list, which um, has been great uh, in regards to it, it's kind of managed. The reservation system really manages itself, which is which is awesome. And then next year um, with the, de the demand for uh, more igloos, 
developing the concept of little cocktail lounges in each um, so that those that don't want to enjoy dinner in the igloo can at least go out there and enjoy cocktails with friends, a few appetizers. Um, so possibly expanding isolate into, you know, four dining igloos and four cocktail lounges where you have soft seated furniture and a couch and a little fireplace or a little heat um, and just making the, the opportunity there for more members that may not want to have dinner outside in a, in a 10 degree Buffalo uh, winter day. <laughs> <laughs> You're speaking my language as someone from Alaska. Like that doesn't even phase me. I'm like, yeah, let's eat outside in the snow. What's the problem? Yeah. <laughs> as someone who grew up on the beach that, um, yeah, that, that sounds frightening to me, but that's why you have heaters and chandeliers uh, and phenomenal uh, menus. Yeah. And we have uh, some great ECC blankets out there. Yeah, our, even our team, actually, the, the team that's working out there got some nice uh, PCC swag. They have uh, nice black uh, winter coats. Um, we got uh, the girls wear the nice headbands. The guys have nice beanies. So uh, they definitely benefited uh, <laughs> as well. Nice. That's awesome. I love it. Well, Melissa, do you have any other questions for them? I don't. I just have to say thank you so much for sharing this awesome yes. idea. And I, you guys have painted a really amazing picture, but we will add some uh, photos with our show notes so that everybody else can see what, what awesome stuff is going on um, there. But thank yeah. you so much for joining us. This is absolutely amazing. This is, this is truly something that I think um, is like, obviously capitalizing on this pandemic world that we live in, in such a unique way, but like, in a way that is not reactionary, but truly innovative. And I love it. I think, as Melissa said, you know, you guys did a great job of painting the picture of what this looks like, but the pictures actually are incredible. And I think you guys have done an amazing job putting this together. So yeah, definitely hats off to your entire team. Thank yes. you. Yeah, they've really done a great job. And, you know, I think for the membership too, it's just been nice that Yes, it's called Isolate, and it's sort of like what's going on with COVID, but it's about COVID necessarily. It's about being creative. It's about offering them something new and spectacular that, you know, it's, it's an escape. People are, are sort of done and over the same old routine that's been going on for a few months. So to be able to, to offer something so drastic for them um, has been, been really special. So incredible. You guys are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome well thank you so much again for joining us um it's been our pleasure having you here wrapping up our november episode of let's talk club management uh we'd like to share a couple of announcements and news items with you as you had the opportunity to chat with ava earlier in our episode just a reminder for giving tuesday on december 1st and the club foundation is currently running a very exciting competition allowing you to share your most video, selfie, and win. So we ask that you send us our, your funniest, most unique, or most heartfelt video, selfie, explaining what the Club Foundation means to you in 60 seconds or less. The producers of the top three videos will win prizes. So you can visit CMA's homepage or theclubfoundation.org directly for full details and instructions. And if you haven't already, text CFGIVING to 51 five 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 to stay informed about all things giving tuesday and be sure to follow our social media for more information yes there will be lots more information coming forth in the next week 
two weeks about Giving Tuesday and what's on deck for that. But yes, please text CF Giving to 51555 to stay up to date on all uh, Giving Tuesday things and send us your videos, folks, because we like to see your faces and we would like to hear what impact the Club Foundation has had um, in your life, in your career, etc. So we're looking forward to that. Also coming up in December through December 15th, in fact, interested professional and alumnus members may apply for a post on a 2021 CMA National Committee. Woo! I get this question all the time. How do I serve on a national committee? How do I get considered for an appointment? So please visit cma.org um, and check out the inside news section to access the application and um, share your interest for what you're interested in working on for next year. We will need approximately 150 committee and special group um, opening volunteers for 2021. Don't miss out. Now is your chance. We, uh, we always end up hearing from folks who want to participate in a committee and they miss their chance. So by December 15th, tell us that you're interested and hopefully you will be the one of the next volunteers to be tapped. Um, and what else, Melissa? Thinking ahead, thinking ahead to 2021, uh, you've probably already heard, but CMA's 2021 World Conference and Club Business Expo is being reinvented. It's going to be a new, entirely virtual presentation. We are committed to bringing the club industry together in 2021 for professional development, networking, idea sharing, and much more. Uh, registration is slated to open in early December, so stay tuned for further details or check out cma.org slash conference for more information. Ta-da! That's a wrap for this month, Kyle. Thank you so much for joining me. Of course. And thank you to all of our listeners for joining us. We are grateful for you all. We are grateful for our CMA members. I know Melissa talked about this at the top of the episode, but truly our members um, our volunteers and and our staff team here at CMA headquarters, um, you know, really made this year uh, functional <laughs> in many ways, but really made it special. Um, it's it has been challenging, and I'm grateful to every one of you um, for you know continuing for for continuing your work and giving us a reason to continue the work that we do. Um, and Melissa, I'm grateful for you. You're the best podcast co-host I could ask for. You, yeah, you too, <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, folks. Well, you know, be, be sure to stay tuned. We will have more episodes coming your way in December. But for now, please enjoy the Thanksgiving holiday safely. Stay healthy. Uh, stay at home if you can. And uh, we will talk to you next month. Bye. Take care and be well. Bye. Bye.